0: Hi, I'm Dom Bettinelli, and you're listening to the Secrets of Technology, where we discuss the technology news that's important to you from a uniquely Catholic point of view. And joining me today on the panel are Father Corey Stika. Hi, Father Corey. How's it going? Very well, thanks. And Pat Scott. Hi, Pat. Hello from Texas. <laughs> Hello. So we have a special uh, episode today. They're all special, but uh, just like all my children are all special. But this one is different <laughs> in that uh, uh, we're, uh, in our second segment uh, uh, we're going to be uh, having a pre-recorded interview I did with uh, T.L. Putnam of Verbum Verbum which is the Catholic uh, Bible study software. I think it's, I think it sells it short because it's so much more than that. Uh, and as you may know, mm-hmm. we're, we have a uh, there's is sponsoring the network, uh, giving us a whole bunch of their really awesome uh, packages, their Verbum packages to give away to patrons. And so uh, T- uh, TL, join me for a, a conversation uh, a little bit about Verbum, but also to talk about some of the other things we've been talking about on Secrets Attack Tech recently, uh, including how does the church use technology today to best evangelize, but also how are we dealing with uh, the tech in the church in 2020, given everything, and and even some non-techy aspects of it as well. So it was a really good, wide-ranging discussion. I hope you'll enjoy that. Uh, but that'll be coming up later after we uh, talk about our first uh, segment. Uh, but even before that, uh, we have a little bit of listener feedback, and I hope you'll both uh, enjoy me in in uh, responding to the feedback. Uh, this feedback comes from Ted Coville who sent an email. He said, uh, something happened to me this weekend that I want to share. I know that when we look for items or products online, ads for those products will show up in social media platforms or in web browsers. And I understand that. I've heard people say that ads show up online of things that they've not searched for, but have talked about. I just figured that they had interacted with the ads, but didn't remember doing it. So my wife's sister recently purchased a car in Georgia. And my wife told her sister that if she could get the same deal for her, she'd buy the car from that salesperson. I've stayed out of this deal and let my wife and her sister do all the nego- negotiations. My wife has gone up to the dealer's web page and looked at their inventory, but I have not. This weekend, an ad for this dealer showed up in my Facebook feed for this car dealer in Georgia, and we live in Massachusetts. My only thought is that they're tracking IP addresses. If not, it must be the demon in my house that turns the light on after I turn the lights off. <laughs> no, that's just your smart home.
1: So Yeah, that's about uh, it.
0: So what do you guys think of this? Is uh, is it the IP address, something more, something different? Well,
2: my question was, is if is it the same computer or are there two different computers in the house? Because that could make a difference. Yeah. Uh, if it's the same computer, it's not going to matter that it was her looking it up versus him yep. on his Facebook because it's looking at anything on the computer.
1: Yeah. Right. Um, so that would be my question. Well, I, I think the big. I think the big concern is with a lot of this tracking and we are just discussing it offline yep. is the anonymity, the, the complete or not anonymity, but the complete, uh, opacity of right. this information. You can't, you, we don't know how Facebook is finding these things. Right. And you know, there is the joke about, Oh yeah, I was just talking about X, Y, and Z and all of a sudden it shows up. Um, right. you know, and it, it's, we don't know if, there is, you know, voice tracking where it's hearing what we're saying and it's it's pulling out the relevant information. If it's just, you know, like you said, Pat, they're using the same computer and the cookies are there, even though they're logging out and logging into Facebook off the different accounts. If it's the IP address, like he thought, where Facebook has keyed in from this IP address, they have searched for. So, therefore, anybody who logs into Facebook from this IP address will see this app. I think we don't know.
0: Yeah, I think in general people like to go to the simplest explanation. They slowly they think, okay, if we talked about this and I see an ad for it, therefore they must have been listening. But the yep. technology is a is a lot more sophisticated than that. I mean, if they were listening to you, that's illegal. And they and there are enough people paying attention enough, mm-hmm. you know, security researchers that they'd know if they had the the ability to. And if they were actually listening to us to get to garner this data, but the, the but at, it don't feel too comforted by the by the fact that they're not actually listening, listening, because right. what's happening is probably a couple of things. The IP address is is one of them, like you mentioned, the fact that you're probably using the same browser, um, the fact that on Facebook, you and your wife may be uh, may be listed as and friends or friends or even married. Right. You know, because you can indicate right. your relationship that uh, factors into it. There's all kinds of other data about you that Facebook can gather from outside of Facebook. Your browsing mm-hmm. history, uh, what you've purchased on Amazon. There's lots of data exchanged between companies uh, that's bought and sold about you. Um, but even things like, I was just saying, one of the one of the, the, the examples I always go back to with this is is uh, has, has nothing to do with social media, but just how big companies use big data. And well, the example is Target. The, the, you know, right. the department store, uh, the, there was a story a few years ago of this dad who got really mad because Target kept sending pre- ads for prenatal vitamins and baby stuff to his teenage daughter. And he's and he, he got mad. He called up the company. He's like, stop, you know, sending this stuff. It's not really it's not appropriate. Well, it turns out his daughter was pregnant and hadn't told him, but she didn't. Mm. She hadn't been searching for stuff of pregnancy related stuff at and she didn't even know it i think it was actually the the scary thing she didn't even know it yet um it turns out that target because they have millions and millions of customers they have figured out that women who are pregnant even when they don't know it tend to buy certain things like (laughs) it's it's it it has to be a huge data set to, to come up with this but it turns out unrelated to pregnancy things it's
2: kind, kind of, like of the, crazy. The,
1: the stereotypical pickles and ice cream craving things like that. Well, well it's it not, was
2: more like a, a type of hand lotion or something because your skin get dried was dried out. That was one yeah. of the examples I show, saw.
1: Yeah,
0: like the, so, right. a particular kind of lotion and and like there was like three different products that that were related to maybe the way your body was changing or like I forget what exactly how many products and what it was, but when you fall into this demographic and they start sending these coupons and ads. Mm. And, and so the long story short, the the, the point being there, the ways that they get the information about what's going on with you and how to target that ad, you have no idea how much data they have about you. Even right. if even if you don't actually have a Facebook profile, Facebook knows a lot about you. That's kind of scary, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, one thing I want to mention here is kind of like a, uh, to promote a future episode is uh, Netflix has a new documentary called The Social Dilemma uh which I just watched and we're going to schedule an ep- a special episode of Secrets of Tech where we can talk about that documentary because it is eye opening I mean we've talked about some of this before on Secrets of Tech but the way they put it together and some of the new information really is concerning and eye opening and more yep. people need to hear about this I think and uh uh so I I I recommend it and I would um I would look at uh you know look forward to to us our discussion of it uh, in the near future. But uh so Ted, I hope that it helps answer some of your questions and I'm sure it doesn't actually allay any concerns, but yeah. <laughs> that's that's if probably anything, why it makes it
1: worse probably. <laughs> <laughs> it probably does.
0: <laughs> but thanks for listening. Uh all right, so let's move on to something a little less uh, scary. <laughs> And well, actually, this actually is probably feeding big data. Now that I think about it, this next topic—yeah, <laughs> so, this, this fits in perfectly. It's <laughs> perfectly. Uh, we're going to be—we t- had our listener request to talk about health monitoring and activity trackers. So these mm-hmm. are both apps and gadgets that help us keep track of our health, our body, how our wellness uh, of various kinds. And so we're we're kind of going to go down some of the different. Uh, apps and gadgets and things that we're aware of. Um, and I, I just want to start quickly by mentioning something we just talked about last week, which is, uh, and the one that I own, is the Apple Watch. And uh, it helps me keep not only keep track of steps and standing, which there's lots of question whether that's even a, an accurate measure of health, but also things like ECG uh, can you know do heart monitoring. And uh, the new Apple watches will do blood oxygen measuring and that sort of thing. so mm-hmm. um, and and the new fitness plus service from Apple is going to interact with that to allow you to do a lot of that fitness and uh, you know activity tracking there too. So uh, the apple watch is is probably where I would start with, uh, from my point of view, uh, as a really valuable. but uh, what about you guys? what do you? Um, what do you use for gadgets? Let's start with that to, as a to activity tracking, uh, Father
1: Corey. So I'm on the uh, I've got just bought uh, within about the last month the uh, Fitbit Versa Two. Of course, <laughs> just in time for the Fitbit Versa Three to be announced, but that's all right. <laughs> that's how it usually works. Yes. Um, but uh, the it, it you know, and it's I think there's a, a distinction that kind of needs to be made between the Apple Watch and the Fitbit. Right. The Apple Watch is a smart watch that has fitness capabilities very good fitness capabilities. The Fitbit is a fitness watch with smartwatch capabilities. Right. And the reason why I make that distinction is Fitbit set out to make good uh, fitness watches that now with the Versa line. And I I can't remember what the other line is that does more of the smartwatch type stuff. They've moved into that market. And now that they've been bought out by Google or in the process of being bought out by Google, uh, they're doing going to be moving probably more to the smartwatch market, you know, basically it become more a direct competitor to Apple Watch eventually. But uh Apple Watch obviously they went to make we were gonna make a really great smartwatch and oh by the way it's gonna have all this incredible fitness stuff too in the, the process. Right. But uh like I said I mean I'm using the Versa too and I, I really like it because a lot of the things that Apple Watch does, it does it it's got the oxygen sensor, it's got uh of course heart rate, it's got, you know it's got the ability you can throw uh music on the watch mm-hmm. and then if you've got your earbuds pure they uh connected to it via Bluetooth, you can actually sit and listen to the music from the watch instead of taking your phone with you. It can be completely hands-free or you know, phone free yep. when you're out working out or whatever. that's that's a really nice uh nice feature. Uh, and then I then we see yeah, the new new Fitbits are gonna have the EKG capability just like the uh Apple watch does. So it's to be interesting to see, you know, when as the two watches become much closer.
0: Is there a reason you went with the Fitbit over other options? Is this, what, what was it about the Fitbit that you liked?
1: So, well, first of all, I mean, I, I I'd originally, I'd gotten like the first generation, and Android Wear, which, come on, Google, seriously, <laughs> you make how many billions of dollars a year? You can't figure out how to make a smartwatch, anyways. Well, they're um, gonna spend the money and,
0: and buy one, <laughs> which apparently, yeah, <laughs> that's
1: basically what's gonna happen with Fitbit. But um, and then a couple of years ago, the our insurance company, of course, part of the you know perks of the insurance plan. You know, you do your, do your little uh, health quotient thing. Got a free uh, charge three, which was at the time the the most recent Fitbit watch. Well, it eventually the display broke, and I think it just some water had gotten in there or something, and and broke it. So decided to move up to this this particular one. Stick with Fitbit because I like, but I like the fact that Fitbit is more of a health watch Mm -hmm. with smart especially the versa where it is more the with the smartwatch capabilities where it does have apps that can be loaded on there right it does have you know a lot of really interesting capabilities as far as day-to-day use there's a version of flappy bird sport you know things like that (laughs) and you're a runner right father Corey? i have been and i need to be again (laughs) i haven't recently but yes yeah more than i that's it yeah and that's 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 one of those things I'll we'll talk about when we get into the fitness apps, because that, yep. that'll be kind of the area I'll cover yep. is some of the apps that I have used and seen that are really good for doing tracking your fitness and tracking, uh you know, miles and distance and all this kind of stuff. And, okay. you know, the Fitbit is plays really, really well. That's one big thing is Fitbit works with everything fitness, right. everything food tracking, everything fitness. It just works with it. And they want it that way. They want these companies plugging in with the watch.
0: Right. Pat, how about you? Uh, what
1: well, do you I
2: started out with the, the Apple Watch, you know, the very first one, and I've been through three iterations now of the Apple Watch. So that's what I'm primarily using. And in phone, I've used my phone for for some of the fitness stuff, too uh even though that was even before i had the watch mm-hmm. but basically i use it for heart rate monitoring the ecg of course is on there and i had uh done some trials on an app before the the that watch came out that i was doing on the apple watch 3 uh, a cardio cardiogram and uh, then uh i use it for sleep tracking although i'm not super serious about it i like to just know about how much i sleep and about how restful it is and at first i used my my wa- uh pardon me my phone underneath the pillow mm-hmm. you know charged up and all that and that worked okay but mm. uh, the watch works so much better, especially since uh, I can turn it so that there's no display at night. Mm-hmm. And so I use it for that. I've used multiple different uh, food tracking, nutrition tracking uh, apps. Uh, I've kind of settled on one, but that's not really part of any th- sensing thing. It's just a, a matter of key entry. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. All right. So, yeah. And I'm a, I'm an Apple Watch user. I have been for many years. I used to have Fitbits. Um uh, until, and, uh, well, so I had Fitbits. I lost, I kept losing them. <laughs> uh, and going but, to the hospital with them. Well, that's what I was going to mention. So for sleeping, <laughs> like I used to wear the Fitbit overnight for sleep tracking. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I stopped when it. I ended up in the hospital and get, being put in an MRI machine. Uh, what happened was I woke up one morning and half of my face was numb. Like I just was mm. totally numb. And, Through a comedy of errors that have to do with uh, overcautious, you know, nurse helplines and weekends where the doctor wasn't available, I ended up in the emergency room and with a neurologist wanting to shove me into an MRI to make sure that I wasn't having a stroke. It turns out, long story short, uh, that I slept on my Fitbit. I sleep on my stomach and I slept with my head on my wrist. On the Fitbit, pressing on the nerve in my head that caused my face to go numb. It was <laughs> but, a health hazard. <laughs> yes, So I have I actually i have a, i have a blog post on my on my blog that that is very popular. It always gets hits. That like how my Fitbit sent me to the hospital, but um, that's funny. But so uh, from from that point on, I no longer wear th- anything. You know, a watch or anything when I sleep because I I that that actually could happen again if I did that. So for sleeping, I have um well, it used to be called the Nokia Sleep Mat. Now it's Withings. It was Withings. Nokia bought them. Nokia sold them, etc. But now it's Withings. W i t h i n g s Sleep Mat, tra- sleep tracking mat, and it's it slides under the mattress on my side of the bed, so it it only covers half the you know half the bed, but not, doesn't cover my wife. Um, it plugs into a USB charger, and it works over Wi-Fi. I think I actually have. To, I don't. It's been so long. I don't remember whether I set up on Wi-Fi or Bluetooth. It might be Bluetooth, but in any case, it tracks my sleep data, and it's really good at it. It's really accurate. Yeah. Um, it 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 doesn't detect uh you know when my wife is sitting on the bed during the day or you know when she's sleeping. It only t- detects my side of the bed, so it's actually been really good and 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 helpful. Now the question is 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 it helpful? Does it make a difference? What do you guys think about sleep tracking in general? Is it? I mean, apart from when none of us are doctors or medical professionals, Mm. but do do you find it helpful to see how much you sleep and
1: how restless it is? Sometimes I find it depressing when I realize how little (laughs) sleep I actually get because I'm up goofing around at night. (laughs) We'll go visit friends and we stay up till you know, oh, dark thirty, and it's like, oh, yeah, yeah, oops. (laughs) <laughs> that's true. I think it, I, I have, you know, I'm, I'm a light sleeper. I'm one of those that sometimes it's very hard for me to fall asleep. Once I do fall asleep, I. it's very rare. You know, I. I don't go into that real deep sleep as often as probably I'm supposed to. Right. You know, so it is nice to see that. And if I ever do a sleep study, it'll be nice to have that data that I can show them and say, here's what my Fitbit has been saying about my sleep cycle. Right. Um, it does help me to be kind of conscious of, yeah, you know, maybe I shouldn't be staying up till midnight watching YouTube or something. Maybe I really do need to go to bed and, you know, try to get a decent night's sleep. Things like that. Right.
0: Yeah.
2: It now does- with me, it's good. I was just gonna say, with me, it's an awareness thing of saying, "Oh, you mean this week I've had an average of four ni- four hours?" Of, there's a problem. Okay, so I just make sure I, you know, I kind of, it's an awareness of trying to say, well, you know, don't don't watch that extra episode or or, or close out that game a little earlier. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't use it relig- you know, religiously. I just kind of keep an eye on it, and uh, most of the time, it's been helpful just as an adjunct not as a i'm worried about it type thing right. yeah
0: i was just yeah looking at it mine like and yeah it did track to the 25 minutes i woke up in the middle of the night last night and lay there in bed not being able to go back to sleep yeah, like, yeah that's in <laughs> exactly. there uh so yeah it, it is i think with these things it's best not to look at them every day and obsess about mm-hmm. them uh especially the sleep ones because then you start obsessing about stressing about i'm not getting enough sleep but sort of more in the something, I think something might be wrong. I want to go look and see what happened last night. That might be a better yeah. indicator. Well, and,
1: and to do it as, as, you know, kind of a week is a glance, you know, like yeah. the Fitbit app you can look at it and will show you, you know, a chart of what you've done and it rates your sleep. And I, I don't know quite what algorithm they use to decide whether you get good sleep or excellent sleep, you know, right. they, but they give you like, you know, one to one, one zero to a hundred scale on your, your sleep. And, you know, so. Winnings, I, I suppose it's how yeah. much time you spend in REM sleep versus deep sleep, and how long as you slept. And because I've yep. had times where you know, like you are, I get yeah. six hours of sleep and it gives me an excellent, and I have times where I have nine hours of sleep and it's like you had okay, you're good, you right? Know? Right. You haven't quite crack ninety percent, you know. So yeah, winnings, but it is still good to kind of get yeah. that overall scale of how have I been doing.
2: Okay. Yeah, our, my apps uh, basically do show a week at a glance or a month at a glance and that type of thing and give you a percentage and right. and it gives you a way to, uh, to correct it. If, for instance, there have been times it thought I was asleep and I was watching a movie sitting in the recliner, so it thought I was asleep. So <laughs> I can sure go back and adjust asleep? that. Okay. <laughs> I, I'm sure I wasn't because I remember that movie. <laughs> um, but, um, you know, so I, I've liked it. As a general overview, not as a I've got a problem type thing.
0: Yeah. Uh, Well, well, some of the other things we could like some more of the health tracking things. Uh, If you are diabetic or you need to be checking your blood glucose for whatever reason, um, there are glucose monitoring apps with Mm -hmm. Bluetooth devices. Uh, Yes. Pat, you know something about that, right? Yeah,
2: I've got one that uh, basically it's an Accu AccuCheck, I think it is. It's mm-hmm. an AccuCheck, and when I take my blood sugar, uh, I I it, sometimes it does the transfer automatically. Most of the time, I have to nudge it a little bit, mm-hmm. and then it and it uh, sends the data to my to my phone, and uh, then at, I can look at those readings and go back and check, and I can enter notes about whether this was pre or post a meal or whether this was fasting or whether this was at bedtime and things like that. And, that's, um, so that's, that's kind of helpful. Yeah. I've also, uh, got a, um, a little blood pressure monitor. Right. that is supposed to do a transfer to my phone. And it, what it mainly does is it it will do the recording and, and it tells me it's transferred. I never can find it, so I just enter it again. Uh, <laughs> so there's a problem with their app. Okay. <laughs> but okay. it tells me, oh, I transferred it. But yeah, huh. that, that way I can get a blood pressure and a glucose monitoring and it's got places in there that I can enter weight. I do not have a Withings scale. Mm-hmm. uh but it, it will let me enter my weight, and so i and again the apps will show you ranges ups and downs uh mm-hmm. averages types of things, and they can be exported.
0: And yeah, that's the nice thing about it is you can share this data with your doctor, like in an appointment or right. or emailed it or whatever, however they want to get it. Like I have shown my doctor, you know, my phone at, at, at appointment, saying, OK, here's what the recordings I've been making over time. And she's mm-hmm. appreciated they'd be able to, to see that sort of stuff and say, oh, OK, good. That may, That's some interesting information. And that's what that's the I think the benefit of these health tracking uh, right. devices is. Is to get because a doctor only you would normally before this only you know be able to see well a snapshot of you the one time you're in the office or get labs done or something.
1: Well, and it's like you know you get the nerves of going to the office, so your heart rate's over a hundred. Yeah, because I'm very nervous about being here right now.
2: (laughs) And I rushed. The Traffic was bad. Yeah,
1: you know everything. Everything's go out of whack because you're nervous. But the nice thing is, you know, and I think some of these apps. I've not really looked into it, but I think you can actually do a report that you can then give to your doctor and say, yeah, here's what's been going on over the past month, you know? And it, yeah. And there's, there's the aspect too of, I think as Americans in general, we don't really monitor our health as well as we should. Yes. You know, we really don't, uh, keep track of our weight. We don't keep track of, We'll talk about, you know, food intake, you know, what, mm-hmm. how much are we eating as I've got a half a bag of Doritos sitting here, um, <laughs> you know, stuff like that. You know, we don't monitor our fitness. We don't monitor what is our heart rate. What is our blood or blood pressure right. and all this stuff.
0: Half the battle is noticing these things and, and right. just if you if I, I noticed that as soon as I started, uh, you know, stepping on the scale every morning, I started losing weight. I, I, I mean, I, that, that caused a small change in my behavior because I noticed mm-hmm. oh it went up I better, I better and today I'm going to eat a little less because I don't want it to go up again tomorrow there's that yeah. incentive um yeah, so I, I did want to mention um the withings the, the they have an app the healthmate app that integrates with the apple health app on the mm-hmm. phone uh and uh, presumably does Android have a like a health app? Does Google have So something? there is
1: Google Fit. It's not as developed. Again, this is come okay. on Google. Okay. Uh, frankly, I, now I think the Withings do m- match up like with the Fitbit app. Okay. Yes, I, I Yes, they do. They can connect.
0: Yeah, because so. I've had a Withings scale for a long time, and when I had a Fitbit, that's yeah, it did upload it to the fit to the Fitbit app. Uh, so I have a Withings scale. Um, I have the Withings sleep. I also have the Withings thermometer. It's an infrared thermometer, mm-hmm. and what's nice is, especially with the scale and the thermometer, is if if everybody in your family has is is sort of spread out a bit in both weight, <laughs> well, not so much in yeah. temperature because that's that's everyone's got the same temperature, but weight, it will automatically categorize the weights like you know, oh this is so and so this is so and so this so and so um although once in a while especially with the kids as they have go through growth spurts it's like um, who was this one like who's this really because so i so it it ask you and you're like oh this is you know ben or this is you know sophie and uh, but with a the thermometer you do the same thing you take you can take a temp and you can record it and that's especially great with kids because when you have sick kids one of the things a doctor will ask you is is well how has their temperature been changing uh you know what how have things changed and if you've been up all night with a kid you're tired you got other kids you're taking care of it's can be hard to keep track of things we used to you know try to keep a pad of paper and write things down but this with the with the uh the withings thermometer it it makes it so much easier it's a it's not invasive so you don't have to have them stick it in their tongue or other places uh it's just a, a swipe across <laughs> the forehead and uh, and then you just uh identify the, which child it is or which person you know adult even and you and you're keeping track and that's what's great about it. So um so I I liked all and and they also make a uh, sphygmomanometer. Uh I love that word. Sphygmomanometer <laughs> is a great word. Uh a blood
1: pressure cuff. Mano, mano.
0: Yeah. <laughs> they make a blood pressure cuff as well so that it all feeds into the health app. Um there is an app called Phoebe, which I I thought i would get more use of but I haven't really but it's a it's a tracker of a symptoms tracker for uh, when you're sick. So if you ever um, you can add temperature measurements, medications that they've taken. So again, if you have a kid who's sick, you can put the temp in there. You can you know, when you've given them a dose of Benadryl or you know whatever cough syrup or whatever it is you're giving them, or a prescription medicine, and you keep track of the doses, um, especially if you have like like i do multiple children and sometimes multiple Mm. children get sick at once that sort of thing so uh it's called Phoebe, and that's been a helpful app as well and um yeah so uh what other what other health like so we'll get into the fitness stuff in a second but what other health (laughs) apps are we uh, do you uh, pat do you think of
2: uh Well, this isn't exactly an app for just me, but I have a COVID tracking app Mm -hmm. that every day it asks me for symptoms of myself and my family, how many people I've been in contact with, what places I've been, et cetera. And uh, then once a week, it asks me for more detailed information.
0: Hmm. Uh,
2: and, And every week it seems to change a little bit like it... It used to say, you know, when you go out, uh, do you do you wear a mask? And now it's, it's just like it asks a little bit more questions about do you always wear a mask or 100 percent of the time and the people you're seeing, do they wear a mask? So it's adjusting to, to conditions in the country. Okay. Uh, and now that's not benefiting me per se, but it is helping to track COVID across the country.
0: What's that so, called?
2: Uh, it's called Eureka mm That's the app. But I, I, I stumbled across it. Uh, I don't remember what newsletter that I, I get a bunch of newsletters okay. and it was one that was saying that it was from, I think it was John Hopkins or one of those is, was the ones that was asking for that data. Oh, okay. And so, uh, it, and you don't put in your name, but you do put in your age and your, uh, you know, um, uh, Sex and what else? Is there anything else? Probably location for? or
0: like you know what general. Well, area? it's getting
2: that probably from GPS. Okay, you the, give it off the
0: phone. You give it location data. You, you yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh,
2: I, I'm I'm not real private about my location data. Okay. Uh, mm-hmm. In that type of thing, but uh, I there's another one that that I get a text from one periodically, like about once a week. It asks for COVID symptoms and okay. and uh, oh, it asks for things like do you how many people do you know that have had covid recently or what is your town doing what mm-hmm. are the levels of restrictions of your town or your area so it's it's trying to get a general overview of the country and where things are but so, that's, it does i don't see yeah. the results i just
1: see the right. i just do the input
0: so apparently it's a research platform in general yes. and then they have specific mm-hmm. studies onto specific things
1: now right. I, I wonder if it plugs into the uh the the covid uh the api tracker stuff that they that they put in both Android and ios
2: uh no because this came out long before the uh the update for the for ios that would allow tracking so it's not a tracker of of you specifically it's more demographical
0: they're just asking questions yeah yeah
1: right and i know we've talked about those before and so i know Mm -hmm. there are apps coming out that do support that that if you know you if you uh catch it or someone you've come in contact with catches it that Mm -hmm. you can be alerted or the people you've contacted can be alerted. So that's something to be aware of as well. And they may have, they may even update that app eventually for that. Who knows?
2: It's possible. I know that, uh, the, what I've heard is that app doesn't do it real time. So you don't know, Hey, I just passed somebody. It's like, you know, sometime within the last three days you came into contact with somebody with COVID.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So let's, uh, let's switch gears a little bit and talk a bit about fitness and diet tracking apps that help with that Mm -hmm. sort of thing. Um, so, what about some physical fitness apps? I mentioned the uh, Fitness Plus, um, in mm-hmm. apps and hardware. Really, Father Corey, what, what do you like to use? Like when you like for tracking okay. your fitness.
1: So what i what I use when I go out for my runs, like I said, I need to get back at doing <clears throat> is uh, <laughs> it's called Map My Fitness, and actually it's a series of apps, but Map My Fitness is kind of the overarching name of these apps, and it's actually put out by Under Armour. Mm-hmm. So you know, of course, you know Under Armour clothes and shoes and everything. Uh, and it, it's really good because it it's very simple to set up your, you know, what you're going to do. You tell it, Hey, I'm going to go for a run. I'm going to go for a bike ride. I'm going to go walk. I'm going to go, you know, do lift weights. You know, it's not even just movement based exercises, it's any kind of exercise that you want to track. You just tell it, you know, you hit the little thing at the top and say, I'm doing this. And then you just start doing it. And it will like, for example, when I'm running, it will sit there and, and I'll have my earbuds in listening to a podcast you know, like Secrets of Doctor or Star Trek or one of those great SQPN podcasts yeah, gotta get the you advertising <laughs> in. Um, you know, listen to a podcast and then it'll you have reached half a mile. Your time is, you know, mile split is, you know, where it will mm-hmm. tell you what your rate is and all this kind of stuff. It will track, you know, with something like Bitbit, it will track your heart rate as you're doing it. Again, it will track your pace, step number of steps, things like that. Uh so it does it all very really just automatic. It's once you start the thing you just take off and go. It'll keep a GPS map if you want, you know, you can you can put that up there. That's where you see where people will do the different patterns as they're riding their bikes or whatever. Right. I saw someone recently who did like a uh deval beer glass as part of his <laughs> bike ride route. It was great. I mean, it looked almost perfect. Wow. You know, there's actually that's actually kind of a thing I guess in the exercise world is to try to make images out of their GPS track. Right. kind of a cool no. idea but
0: uh I, I gather another popular one like that is called strava i've seen that a lot for both running and cycling it's very popular yep. and of course
1: garmin has one like if you've got a garmin tracker yep. we didn't talk we, you know we talked about fitbit and apple watch but of course garmin the yeah. gps company has a really good watch as well um i haven't used strava i might have to i did not even hear that one i'll have to check it out oh yeah as well yeah. but i but i've used map my fitness for quite a few years and and the thing I like about it, too, is you can do instead of, you know, if you want to share it online, of course, you can share it to Facebook and Twitter and everything else. But you can do uh, take a take a picture while you're out running mm-hmm. and then you can show like your stats of how many miles I went and how long it took me and all this kind of stuff, how many calories I burned in the ca- in And, you know, sure. and of course, that's that's on average. Uh, but that's the one I use primarily when I go out to work out because it, it's so easy to just to keep. Again, you start it up, you put your phone in your pocket and you go. And I okay. think I haven't really played with it, but I think like with my my Fitbit Versa, I can actually do all that on the watch. Nice. Where I don't even have to have the phone with me. Uh, okay. Some apps do that better than others.
0: Uh, and, then, and yeah,
1: go what, ahead. Go ahead.
0: Oh, I was just going to mention what? if if you get a lot of money, uh, <laughs> you could drop some money on a Peloton bike.
1: Well, yes and no. So oh. here's the here's the thing with the Peloton app. Yes, I mean yeah, you can get a Peloton bike and treadmill and all these kind of really awesome things for you know. More money than I'll ever see in my life. I'm just kidding. Not quite that bad. But um, actually, comparative to a good exercise bike, they're really not that much more expensive. Right. The But the Peloton app itself does not need to use a Peloton equipment. And right. it's very similar to Map My Fitness, where there's a lot of different exercise. Now, the Peloton ones are more designed for your you know, treadmills and your bikes and your stair climbers and your... Uh, ellipticals and things like that, where you're in a gym or you're at a home, you know, you've got one in your basement or something like that. Um, but you can use any equipment. I recommend using a you know halfway decent one. I had a really junky Walmart bike that was not even worth, you know. But you can you can and they've got different exercises and stretches and warm ups and cool downs and things like that. And again, it's it's the guidance. You can pay for the the guidance within the app, right? You know, where you're you're doing it with a trainer you know, a lot of times pre-recorded or live in a studio somewhere. Um, but you've got someone who's kind of guiding uh, with these classes and so on. That's kind of the big thing with Peloton. It's not so much the tracker. It's the, um, it's the classes doing the yeah. exercises uh, with, through the streaming.
0: Okay. So, and then the other part of that, besides the, the fitness, the physical fitness apps that help you track and, you know, give you guidance in, in your fitness. There's also uh a lot of apps that help you track what you eat and track your food. And again, it's one of those things is if you're paying attention, you're likely to be more thoughtful about what you eat and probably eat less. Uh, I mean, I've I've heard doctors say for years, just if you just keep a food journal, you'll eat less. That's just because we do a lot of mindless eating uh, in, these days. So, uh, so Pat, you mentioned that you have a particular uh, food tracking app that you prefer. Which one's that?
2: Well, uh, I started with several others, but I've ended up that I like Lose It probably the mm-hmm. best. But some of them will let you do, uh, you know, they have their own database of foods and you can add to it or you could add, oh, this is my typical breakfast and that type of thing. But uh, Lose It also, of course, has the uh, component of you're entering your weight and it tracks your, your weight over time and lets you set a goal, make some suggestions about if this is your goal, this is what you need to do. Now, they could do it either calorie-wise or I think, uh, I'm not sure on, on that one recently, I haven't looked, but like if you were doing uh, protein, uh, trying to do looking at carbs mm-hmm. as opposed to looking at calories, uh, I would suggest that, you know, depending upon which way you're keeping track, you need to make sure which app is, is tracking which way and then it's got some flexibility. But the loser is the one that I have used most often that actually seemed to help me Better okay. and had a decent um food entry system
0: yeah i I've used lose it myself and i I really like it uh it, it, one of the things I found that I liked about it was that it had the largest database of foods in it, especially exactly. mm. especially prepared foods that's the always the trick is like if I bought yeah. you know a box of something or a bag of something at the store or got something at a restaurant. Which doesn't happen as much these days, Uh, but Mm -hmm. it it was lose. It was more likely to have it already in there because users can also submit their own, you know, things to to the database. You can also enter your own recipes. We we do a lot of scratch cooking, you know, from scratch cooking here at my house, and it was a real pain to have to enter every little ingredient one at a time every time. So I found that that I could just enter all of our most popular recipes that we use and just use that as, you know, this is what we're having for dinner. Uh, so that that's always been good. So I like to lose it for that. It has a lot of other extra features. It has a community feature where you can talk to people and you get you know support like that. And like you mentioned, you can track particular things, water intake, carb intake, that sort of stuff. So there's that. Another one I hear a lot of people talk about is MyFitnessPal. It does a lot of the mm-hmm. same things. Um, it does activity tracking, but it, it also tracks... Food. I've heard that the food is the food track is really good on
2: that. Yeah. I guess I started out with that one, uh, fairly early on, and I I just like lose it better. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it's a a personal preference.
1: Yeah. Father Corey, what do you use? See, I've I've used, um, Spark People, which is very similar again. It's a very similar concept of Mm -hmm. you can do your activity tracking there. You can do your, um, and you know, it's not the focus isn't on fitness, it's just activity tracking because the focus is more on calories in, calories out. It's that kind of. Uh, cracking. Um, it's it's again. It's got all the foods. You know, you can go say, well, I went to you know, cheesecake factory and ate half a cheesecake. Yeah, how's that gonna affect my <laughs> calories? Oops, you know just that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, just a little bit. You know, stuff like that. Um, so it, it's got the the community aspects. It's got the uh, where you can do uh, have uh, guides. You know, people that help you, help work with you on on developing your diet and developing your habits. Of course, they've got things like articles and stuff like that of, you know, how, how to better manage your your eating and your your uh, menu planning and things like that. And, of course, again, all the different foods uh, that you can have and all the different menus and everything. That same kind of thing, though, like if you're doing a lot of uh, cooking at home where it might not have the exact menu you or uh, recipe you have, so you do have to enter that in. But, you know, again, that's usually not too big of a deal. It's just it does kind of get annoying if you keep running into things that, you're not always or you know, that's not always there, or the recipe is so different enough that it might actually throw it off. Okay. Uh, but again, you can change that. Right. The other one, the big one I use, and I, I think one I think that definitely needs to be mentioned is of course, Weight Watchers. Know, course. Weight Watchers is kind of the, you know, the 800 pound gorilla in the room when it comes to this kind of thing. That's an ironic analogy. An <laughs> like <to be> <laughs> yeah, I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> I know, that, that's kind of a conscious choice there. Um, and that's not to slam people who use Weight Watchers because I use it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's what I use now. Um, it is the the downside with it, of course, is it does require a subscription to Weight Watchers. You do have to join Weight Watchers. Now, you don't have to join and go to the meetings and all that kind of stuff. Um, but in my case, a lot of insurance plans now are starting to add the digital only Weight Watchers subscription as a part of your health insurance. Ooh. So in my case, I, can, I had previously signed up to Weight Watchers and was paying for it. And then this came in. So then I was able to switch my account over to the, uh, over to this, this free plan, the same exact plan. It's just free through the insurance company. So that really helps a lot for a lot of people. So benefit if you've got it, take it, you know, use that benefit. Um, the, uh, the app again, it's very much towards dieting, you know, it's the Weight Watchers program where it's not about calories in, calories out, but it's, you know, are you following this plan? which interestingly generally as i as it has been explained to me is generally a diabetic plan you know a plan right. of what diabetics should be following anyways because it's the most healthy for them well it also happens to be the way to be the most healthy in your life as you're eating you know because you're not eating as much half a bag of doritos in you know sitting in your office <laughs> right. and stuff like that like i do yeah i'm i'm not again that this is another thing i need to be a little more serious about but it does do talk about you know monitoring how much water consumption and exercise, you know, activity really helps out give you more of these points that you can use to other things. There are certain foods that are, they're free. You can right. eat, you know, a, a chicken breast and it counts nothing towards your calories. You can eat, you know, a bowl of uh, uh, broccoli or carrots or other vegetables, and it counts nothing towards your points, you know, things like that of course, It's encouraging you towards these healthier foods, Instead of the, you know, heat and eat pizzas and McDonald's sure. and everything else we eat. But you can still go do that because if you're, you know, if you're good, you've got so many points per week that, okay, well, I've gone the week and I've eat healthy. I've got, you know, 50 points for today. I'm going to go to McDonald okay. and blow about half of it, you know, right. things like that. Splurge so, points. Yeah. 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 Little human psychology so it, there. Yeah. 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 So it's really good about, you know, kind of helping you try and. And The thing I like about the Weight Watchers way of doing it is, it's still concerned about calorie in, calorie out, but it's not putting it that way. That's one thing I didn't like about Spark People, is you're tracking calories, and it's a lot easier to think, okay, I've got thirty five points, and here's how I can use this thirty five points. Versus, I've got two thousand calories in a day, plus whatever I walk and work out, whatever. How do I make that fit? Right. You know, a little more complex. So it simplifies the simplifies the whole tracking and everything like that
0: so that's sort of a, a an overview of the of the uh, many of the apps and trackers that we use there this is only scratches the surface there's lots more out there that we just don't have time to cover um it could be a whole podcast series about just yeah. uh, health and activity uh, technology but uh, but that's that's a server overview uh, and hopefully helpful if you have other questions about the things that we've mentioned or if you have others that you want to recommend feel free to let us know you know drop us an email to technology at sqpn.com and let us know you know wh- what you think or if you have uh, suggestions or something that works for you we'd love to hear about it so at this time i do want to uh turn things over to my interview with TL Putnam from verbum.com and it's a great discussion we had hope you'll enjoy that then we'll be back after that to wrap up the show now I'd like to welcome TL Putnam to the secrets of technology welcome TL could you introduce yourself to our
3: listeners a little bit absolutely Dom I am uh, I'm the product manager for verbum which is a faith life product uh, what we do at verbum is basically we help. The average Catholic, we help all the way up through. I've got bishops who are uh, users of the platform. We help them engage with Scripture through the eyes of the church. Basically, it's a massive cross-referenced library that helps you see not only what does the Scripture say and what do the words mean and what do the original languages mean, but but behind that, what, uh, what have the church fathers said about it? What do the documents of the church say, the doctors and the popes and everything else that's out there? all cross-referenced and hyperlinked so that you can access it really quickly. And and uh, so I, that's that's what I do these days. But um, before that, I'm a convert to the faith. Uh, I came into the church with my wife together in 2011. Before that, I've been in ministry in the Protestant church. And uh, so we're, I've worked at the diocesan level in marriage and family life and in parish levels as director of faith formation and evangelization. Uh, and then COVID came and changed the way that the whole world operates. Yes. So uh, now I find myself on the other side um, looking for ways to help parishes take care of the work of ministry uh, from a technical aspect. Excellent.
0: So I do want to mention right now to the listeners that uh, we we want to thank Verbum in Faith Life for supporting StarQuest. We have an awesome giveaway that we're doing for our patrons. When we reach 850 active patrons, which we're getting very close to, could happen any day now, we're going to give away not one, but 16 different Verbum packages from the basic level all the way up to this amazing platinum level. It's a multi-thousand dollar personal theological library, scriptural library, uh, which Verbum has graciously, very generously done uh, to give them to us to support the ministry that we do. Uh, if uh, you are a currently active patron at the time of the drawing, you will be eligible. So everyone, whether you've been a patron for the longest time or you've just become a patron, you'll be eligible. And uh, if you do win, you can you, you will select you for one of those packages. Uh, many of the packages, if you happen to be an Eastern Rite or Ordinariate. Catholic. Uh they are they Verbum has options for you that they have variants of the package for you. So uh be sure to go to their site at Verbum.com. We'll have a link in the show notes and check it out. Uh and if you would like to become a patron and become eligible for that and support the work we do, go to SQPN.com slash give right away and sign up. So thank you, TL, for your support from Verbum. My pleasure. (laughs) So a frequent topic of secrets of technology lately has been how we can continue to practice our faith despite the restrictions that we have on gathering together in person uh, because of COVID and all that stuff. Uh, What advice could you give for insights or ideas can you give for both pastors and parishioners on how to remain engaged in their faith right now?
3: You know, there's a a balance for pastors and for church staff, uh, because there's two sides of this coin in terms of engaging the the parishioners and the lay faithful. Uh, the the first side is you want to be active in ministry where the people are, and right now the people are on social media. The people are familiar with Zoom and with all of these other uh, aspects with um, some other technology companies that have been out for a while like Formed, uh, and so you want to be where the people are and utilize the tools that the people have. Um, but they're not always the best tools to use. Um, with algorithms constantly changing, social media can, can filter out what your parishioners would see, uh, and you don't necessarily get the message out as effectively. But a lot of the tools that are made for specifically this work, um, whether it be your own app, whether it be something like our product, faithlife.com, um, it takes a little bit more effort to get the people to those places. They work better for the ministry, but they're not necessarily uh, as intuitive. You have to convince the people, "Hey, download this app, hey, text this number, hey, do whatever." Uh, and you're always going to have some attrition there, because we are creatures of habit. And so there is this fine line of how do we best engage uh, the, and in the most effective way, the greatest number of our parishioners so that they feel Connected, uh, and and they feel uh, like they belong, like they're part of this this community of faith, uh, and that's a question that um, lots of people are attempting to answer. We're attempting to answer with our faith life uh, platform, but at the same time, um, when there's a magic bullet, somebody tell me because we've not found it yet. Right,
0: right, right. I, I've worked in uh, diocesan ministry. Uh, with new media, I, I worked with mm-hmm. the Archives of Boston about 10 years ago. I was the director of the media and just trying to get parishes to have websites was mm-hmm. was a, a job, just making, making sure that they had websites that were useful. Uh, so but so much change has changed so quickly in the past, you know, as we speak now in the past six months. Uh, where do we go from here? Is this is this a permanent thing? I, I mean, this does. It, say we get a, a a vaccine we get a say you know a miracle cure happens in in by the end of 2020 do mm-hmm. we just go back to the way things were or do you feel like things have really changed permanently
3: so th- this is again a multifaceted uh Answer. Um, One, I think things should change permanently. I think we should take this opportunity of a reset to redo the way that we do ministry because we've been, there are a lot of things that are in our culture that we have conflated with, hey, that's the way we've always done it, that we ought to take a look and say, is this truly the mission of the church? Is this the best way to handle what we've been doing? However, uh, at the same time, there are some things that we need to return to and and hopefully sooner than later. we are an incarnational church. Our sacraments are done in person. There is there is the sense that as Christ was made flesh and right here in our midst and walked among his disciples and interacted with the world, um, that we as the church are supposed to do the same thing. We're, there is a an enfleshment that the church is of Christ. And so, as much as our society says hey look this is great look at all this um this technology we have look at how we can meet you and i are having a conversation separated by miles and miles and miles but we're doing it instantaneously and yet even in this case something of the incarnation is lost in this relationship so um that's that i think is what we need to emphasize even in this time of um of education and formation. People are spending more time trying to educate themselves and and engage in the faith in whatever way we can. Um, I think that's one of the things we need to really hone in on is that there is something important and, dare I say, sacramental Mm -hmm. about being face-to-face and and about engaging in the faith in a face-to-face way. So I do think just looking at, at uh, getting back to the question, get looking at history at the last time that we had a similar pandemic pandemic uh, with the Spanish flu that it really changed the way that society interacted uh, there was um there was greater greater distance and social distancing that that really went on far longer than um than was necessary and necessitated by the disease and I think we're going to see that. I think people are going to be a little bit more reticent. Um, to uh, To return to large crowds than they were previously, um, I think this is a great opportunity for us to begin engaging with a a small group model uh, within the parish, um, but still finding a way uh, to re- to return to that face to face incarnational uh, kind of ministry and encouraging people and informing and, and people uh, to get to a place where they're, again, comfortable doing that.
0: Well, what role do you think technology can play in bringing people together again? So we've seen how technology helps us stay connected when we're apart. But what what roles can technology play in in helping people come together in those new, say, smaller groups that we're talking about? Mm-hmm.
3: So th- there I mean, there are a number of things that that are potentials specifically as we look at technology as a tool it's a a communication tool it's not the the silver bullet it's not the solution but gosh isn't isn't the technology that's popped up in the last couple of years or even the the ubiquity in the last 6 months isn't it amazing um specifically if we recognize it not as our salvation but as hey here is a a way that i can connect with you better than I was able to connect with you before um, and and stay more engaged. So um, social media does a great job, were it not for the algorithms, uh, to connect us as people are part of Facebook groups. But as those groups begin to multiply uh, so too i mean it's it's a product they're trying to sell you things, so too, do the advertisements and the distractions and the uh the algorithms which are made to keep you there longer uh by feeding you things that they think will either make you very happy or make you very angry, but certainly not that will make you think All right <laughs> uh, so one of the things we're doing at Faith life is creating a platform of social media that is distraction free, uh, a place where uh, for the parish side of it, the parish can come in and they can do a lot of their administration of their, um, uh, the, the the member management of uh, the website of live streaming for those places that need to do it in a way that is uh, less complicated than some other solutions, um, do their online giving, but also have a place of connection and meeting where you can put your announcements and your bulletins and your prayer requests, which you wouldn't do on social media because it's not private, right? Right. So here's this internal network where you can get together uh, as a community and share prayer requests and then break into smaller groups and have reading plans through uh, a book or through a book of scripture and interact with that as a a small group. Um, Maybe it's the kind of thing where you have uh, as we're trying to get back into this face to face where you have this group where you can discuss things throughout the week about this curriculum or this uh, what you do a reading plan of the catechism if you wanted to. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then you meet together uh, once every other week to be together and to be face to face, but to still have that connection and interaction with the specific people that you are part of a parish community with. Uh, without the distractions of the advertisements, without the distractions of uh, the algorithms and all of the other um, division and right. and polarization that we see coming through social media,
0: yes, you know, one of the things I always said to parishes is, you know, yeah, you can use social media. you can have a Facebook page. In fact, you should have a Facebook page, but that shouldn't be your only place on the internet because you, that's not yours. <laughs> you're right. you're borrowing space from somebody and they can do whatever they want with it, including, Taking you off, that you should have a place of your own that you pay for that you maintain, just like you have your own building that you have right. mass in. Uh, and so I, I I agree with that. There, there have been a lot of different people, you know, companies around trying to offer bits and pieces of this, but it's nice that I'm seeing this more and more that we're 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 bringing it all together because most parishes don't have one dedicated tech savvy right. person on staff to manage a bunch of different things. So it's, it would be nice to have it all in one package.
3: Yeah. And you know, there's a couple of things with having it in one package. One there, when I was in the parish, there were just so many logins to remember and so many processes <laughs> And you're trying to find the most cost-effective means of, of live streaming. And you can do that, but then you have all of these extra settings and, and, Hacks that you have to go through to get to that. Um, I love that that Faith Life is putting together not so much a product but an ecosystem of products. Right. Uh, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna work with whatever um, management system you have for your your parishioners or whatever email system you have for your parishioners. But if you want to make it really easy, you can do all the emailing and all of the website and all of the everything else through Faith Life. Now. One of the things, as you were talking about having multiple places on the Internet, uh, is we have to have a little bit of a sense of teleology about this. What is the end? What is the purpose of a thing? Um, And a lot of people say, well, hey, I'm supposed to have a website. Now I'm on the web. Um, Well, but what's the purpose of that website? Who is your – as a spending time in in marketing and designing and in theology all kind of together, my question is, who is the primary audience of this thing? So um, my immediate parishioners should not be the main client of my externally facing website, right? The website is the place where someone is gonna go if they're brand new in town, or if they're curious and have questions, And they want to know a little bit more about this specific parish, or maybe they want to know a little bit about Catholicism writ large, and they're not comfortable coming in and having a conversation or coming and visiting a service. They want to know who you are first. And so how are we putting out that message through our website? What language are we using? How easy is it to navigate, not just for our people? like up at the top where it says sacraments. And we just happen to know that under sacraments is where you're going to (laughs) find, oh, I want to get married. And my grandma told me I had to get married in the church. Um, One of the best websites that I have seen in this regard, and I I have copied it uh, in a couple of parishes that I've been at, is from a parish down in Grapevine, Texas, uh, St. Francis of Assisi. And right up at the top, it's like, I want to dot dot dot. Exactly. And you click on I want to, and it says I want to get married. I want to um, get prepared for the sacraments. I want to, uh, or, or rather, I want to get prepared for baptism. I want to get prepared for uh, first communion. I want to join a small group. I, I have. I want to ask some questions, and it's all right there. Um, that yeah, my members who are active at the parish, they're going to be able to understand it as well. But the whole purpose of that is then evangelistic. And then we have another place, somewhere completely separate, that's internally facing. How do I interact with our own members and answer their questions and provide spiritual care for them without having these competing messages um, all in in one location?
0: You know, it's interesting because, again, uh, I mentioned when I worked for the Archdiocese 10 years ago, the Archdiocese of Boston, we worked with our Sunday visitor at that time, uh, yep. developing a template for our parishes to use to build uh, websites. And that was among the things that we tried to put into those templates was those sorts of questions. You know, when someone could we did a big survey when someone comes to a website, what are they looking for? What is yeah. what what is the first thing? The one thing most people want is mass times. They Like most people come to a website looking for mass times, whether they're new, whether they're, I don't know, maybe they haven't been to mass in a long time, that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. And so mass times on the front page and it would be and you think that that makes sense. You imagine how often it takes forever to find out what time is mass.
3: Uh, well, not only what time is mass, so it ought to be where you don't have to scroll. It ought to be in the footer of every single page. It yeah. ought to be where it's really easy to find. But not only that, you've got people who are not familiar with um, with the way that Catholics do it, and they're coming in with their kids and they're coming back because of their kids. We need to let them know if there's a mass that has a nursery. And right. m- maybe your parish doesn't, uh, most of the people don't, don't use the nursery, but an External person, that's one of that's one of the first things they're going to look for. Is that available? Because I need to understand it without getting distracted by my kids. And I certainly don't want you to see me getting mad at my kids. And I don't want you turning around and glaring at me because of my kids. Right. So, you know, finding out what the questions are, finding out what the objections are and removing them before they become a thing.
0: Right. Right. Yeah, that was that was a big thing was is 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 always think in terms of the questions of people people are going to ask what you know someone comes and says i want to get married at your church mm-hmm. well that's what they're looking for not some obscure like se- seven layers down through sub menus about marriage coord you know click here for marriage coordinator that's not what mm-hmm. that's not the best thing to do uh, you know uh, s- several years ago about se- i guess seven years ago now my wife and i were, were with our kids we have five kids we were looking for a new parish in our area, we, we weren't moving, but we, we had some changes in our parish, like mass changes that we need. We wanted to find a, a different mass. Uh, and we decided, you know what, this is a great opportunity. Let's try a bunch of parishes. You know, we live in the Boston area within five miles there are 20 churches. So, right. So we said, let's try a bunch of church uh, parishes over a period of time and see what we see what we encounter. And the first step was always, let's go to the website, see what time mass is. And I, I ran into websites that said uh, mass is now temporarily being held in the Richardson hall. I have no idea <laughs> when that notice went up, when temporary ends. I had no idea what the Richardson hall was, <laughs> you know? Uh, I mean, just, and then another website, it was this, it, I was greeted with a long notice from the pastor about the appropriate dress at mass, which I'm all for appropriate dress at mass. I, I, I Don't get me wrong. But is that the first thing we want to, present someone with when they might be interested in checking out mass.
3: Let's take that and then go to the the question of marriage, because this is this is a pet peeve of mine, Dom. Uh-huh. Um, we you you click on it and the first thing that you see are the requirements. Yes, uh, you, you've got a and, and these require. I'm I was a marriage and family life director for a diocese. These requirements are important. But shouldn't the first thing be, we're so excited that you're getting married and we're glad that you want us to be a part of that story. Come and have a conversation with us and let us be a part of that journey. Right?
0: Right. If you're trying to sell a car, if you're a car auto dealer, you don't list the requirements for how to qualifying for a loan because that's kind of, mm-hmm. nobody's going to come in for that. You, you get people to come in and once they're there with you, then you can- I mean, and we're not selling cars, but even a car, auto, you know, car salesman knows how to do this. Then when they're in, then you can present the, the the less, you know, exciting bits of it. But yeah, you want you want people to be excited about this big step they're taking in life or excited about bringing their child for a sacrament of baptism or, conf- or confirmation or First Communion. You know, we want people to be excited about something that they may be trepidatious about. I haven't mm-hmm. been to church since I made my First Communion. W- what's it going to be like? We don't want them to feel afraid to to right. go.
3: And and yes, there is something to be said for, if anyone would be my disciple, let them take up their cross and follow me. But the people that he was addressing that to had some familiarity with what it meant to be a disciple. They were on the edges and they had been watching him for a while. And so, too, we need to be approachable enough that then when the time comes for uh, a difficult call to holiness, um, that person's ready to accept it. Right.
0: Well, we we think about it, when Jesus dined with tax collectors and prostitutes, he probably didn't require them to change into different clothes, to make a profession of faith. (laughs) He was dining with them precisely so that he could get to that point later. But first, he wanted to break bread with them. And that's right. And that's the key here, I think, um, when we kind of going back to what we're talking about earlier, the importance of breaking bread in person, both literally in the Eucharist, but also in a figurative sense. uh, Mm -hmm. You you know, you were saying we need to be physically present with one another in prayer groups and Bible study groups and youth groups. uh, And we, we aren't at this time. So it's we have to I think we have to put extra effort into these ways that we want to connect with people when we can't do it in the most important incarnational mm-hmm. physical way.
3: Well, I would say there's also this tendency, um, birds of a fle- feather flock together, right? We 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 have this tendency to engage in the life of our parish in such a way that we might not know anyone who's not Catholic, uh, other outside of um passing them on the street or engaging with them in our workplace. But in terms of the friendships that we have, uh, we have uh, in many cases lost the ability to even know where to begin with evangelization. Mm-hmm. And, and Evangelion Utiondi says that evangelization is uh, the church's deepest identity, right? It, it, it's what makes us who we are. Uh, and so I think that this is an opportunity for us as we are socially distanced. Um, to recognize our street and our neighborhood uh, as an important center for social interaction, right. uh, to be to be able to sit on the front porch and wave at people as they go by, um, to engage the the checkout uh, person at the grocery store in conversation. Uh, you, if you're like me, you see the same clerk over the years uh, multiple times. Um, th- if we begin to recognize the dignity of that person and engage that dignity as a person and not just, oh, well, you know, they're a fixture in, in the store, um, then I think we begin to answer that question of, is the church fundamentally changed by this pandemic? And I think that's the way we change it in a positive way, mm-hmm. is that we recognize our own place as laity, baptized And anointed as priest, prophet, and king by virtue of our baptism, um, engaging in the ministry of the church, not in a way that um, somehow mimics uh, and makes us little priests, but, uh, but because we get up and we are a lector or we're an extraordinary minister of Holy Communion, but because we're out doing that thing, which is right and proper and the most deep identity of the church, we are being the incarnation and the tangible presence of Christ to the world.
0: One of the things I, I was I thought a lot about a few years ago was is the importance of how how we've become so within relation to our parishes, at least in this area, the parish is the center of our faith life, but it's almost all of our faith life for many people. And right. we engage with people on Sunday or when we're at church, let's just put it that way, when we're at church and that's there's that importance of engaging with our even our fellow parishioners outside of church. And yeah. one of the things I was thinking about uh, for for some time was this idea of maybe we should be gathering in our neighborhoods. Maybe we should find yeah. what parishioners live near us and start connecting with them if we haven't already. You know, I live in a in a in a big development. I don't know which which people in this area around me. And I've lived here for a dozen years. Uh, I, I mean, I know my immediate neighbors, but in the big development, how many of them are parish, fellow parishioners of my mm-hmm. parish? That's a that's an important question. Maybe that's that this opportunity is to kind of grow smaller, like you mentioned.
3: Yeah. What would happen if you found uh, a couple of parishioners that lived in your neighborhood and you gathered together at your house and you had a barbecue in the front yard? instead of the back right right um where you became approachable and and people could overhear your conversation and they could see your joy and your laughter and the fact that you genuinely enjoy being around one another would that maybe get one or two people to say i wonder if i'm bold enough to go over and just say hi and maybe i'll get invited to have a brat too right right Right.
0: that's that's uh not so many brats around here but I make them just just for that. <laughs> more more of Italian sausages in the Boston area, but I get but I get the oh. point. <laughs> no, but the bigger point is right. You know, if we are if we start to gather and we start to show the joy of the Christian life in community, that is attractive, and people are are so isolated today that they're going to look for ways to find that connection again.
3: Well, and that's one of the things that I love about uh, StarQuest is that. Um, you you come to the podcast network, it's Catholic, and you're like, all right, we're gonna we're gonna get some Catholicism and it's a Doctor Who. Exactly. We're gonna get some Catholicism around Doctor Who. That was my introduction to StarQuest, was uh one of the one of the follow-ups to an episode. I'm like, oh I'm gonna I'm gonna listen to that. Uh and engaging if if I'm interested in that, then my neighbor who also watches the show and loves the show but isn't Catholic might be interested in that and is gonna hear something of our faith tied in and hooked to something that they already love. And that's evangelization.
0: Exactly. That's that's at the heart of our our podcast network is that we explore the intersection of faith and pop culture. But it's because it's a sort of a threshold for deeper conversations. And so some of our podcasts are like we have Pray Station Portable, which is a prayer Liturgy of the Hours podcast. I mean, that's as Catholic as you get. Uh, Right. And then we have in Catholics of Oz, which is, you know, another Australian Catholic podcast. And then, like you said, Star Trek, Doctor Who. Uh, And of course, one of our most popular right now is Jimmy Aiken's Mysterious World, where we explore UFOs and ghost stories and all kinds of crazy stuff, but always from a faith and reason perspective. And I, I think that is Something we can take out again into the world around us, and so when you're at work or you're at a barbecue or you're meeting people and you're talking about things that they like, like mm-hmm. sports t v movies, but you're doing it from your Catholic perspective. it doesn't have to be bang someone over the head with you know have you have you prayed the rosary today? you know i mean that's that's great, that comes at a point, but that's not the first right. thing we lead with and so
3: yeah well and even even have you prayed the rosary today, it's um maybe this is my Protestant background coming out a little bit but uh, someone's going through a really difficult time well l- let me pray with you exactly let's let's pray rosary together let me uh, as as uh, John the the Evangelist said uh, let me bear your burden right mm-hmm. let me carry that with you um, and so as as uh, a person who does pray Product management. Let me bring that back in and say, uh, hey, this is one of the ways that technology can help. Specifically, as we're uh, socially distanced, but even as we come back together uh, on for for those main things that we have in in our faith and mass and and the adoration liturgy, of the hours. Um, hey, I'm going to hop on faithlife.com uh, to my parish's social media to my small group and. I can bear my burdens and I can be I can feel comfortable sharing things in that group, knowing that it's not going out to the wider social media world. Right. This is a way that technology can assist in that return to whatever normal is on the other side of this.
0: You know, as I as I look at the uh, w- the way things are today, as, as we're talking, uh, it, it amazes me that if this. Pandemic had happened five or ten years ago. I mean, we had a lot of these technologies, but they were much harder to use. They were much less prevalent. Um, you know, getting a li- live stream of a mass going ten years ago was a major investment. Oh yeah, cameras and switchers and all kinds of stuff. Now, if you have a smartphone, you can you can get you can do it. I mean, that that's at the the most basic. And, mm-hmm. and so I I kind of feel like it, it, we are we are blessed. I mean nobody nobody wants to call a a pandemic a blessing but we are blessed that the pandemic happened at a time when we could continue to connect and and right. and live in community through these technologies.
3: So you brought up a pet peeve of mine and I want to address it with these people who are listening. If you are at a parish who is using a smartphone for your live stream. Yes. Please. For all that is right and holy. Don't use the main speakers. Right. Put put a little monitor speaker two feet from that from that um, that iPhone and you'll kill the echo and you'll be able to hear. Right. But so many parishes are like, oh, we got microphones and they're you know, we got the speakers and it just sounds like you're in a tin can and heaven mass. And there is a solution and it's cheap. Yes. Just put that put that. that 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 has nothing to do with our conversation, Dom, that you just (laughs) brought up. I'm triggered. You triggered me.
0: Well, that this if if all you've got is a smartphone, you know, God bless you. That's that's the beginning. But there are inexpensive steps up from that. We've talked about it on Secrets of Tech and we'll continue to talk about it. But there in fact, we recently talked about there in this new era. There's a new liturgical ministry, the liturgical cameraman. <laughs> right, that's right. You know, and it's it's kind of interesting to 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 note, but uh, it's it's one of those things that's changed. Well,
3: and there is this sense of um, that that cameraman specifically. If you are in a place that has switchers, you are determining the attention mm-hmm. of the whole parish, where you choose to focus. Uh, At the elevation, where you choose to focus at the reading of the gospel, whether it's wide or close or whatever else, that actually makes a difference in the experience of the mass.
0: Right. As I said, my pet peeve is uh, in my parish during the prayers of the offertory when the cameraman switches to the pianist. In playing. No, <laughs> no. These things are important too. show father doing the prayers. <laughs> right. <laughs> Little pet peeves. We're all learning this. And so that's that's it. We'll, we'll get better at it. We'll, we'll all get yeah. better at it. So, T.L., this has been a great conversation. I really appreciate you you joining me. I really appreciate Verbum's support for StarQuest. And uh, uh, we'd love to have you back sometime to continue this conversation, especially as things continue to change.
3: It'd be my pleasure. Thank you.
0: Thank you very much. So I hope you enjoyed that interview with TL. Uh, And so we're back with Pat and Father Corey. And uh, just I want to cover a couple of headlines before we go to our picks of the Mm. week. Their first one is that uh, this story that uh, Microsoft is releasing a deepfake detection tool ahead of the election. Mm. Now, uh, deepfake is this term that's come to uh, apply to any type of usually video that Uh, and sometimes photos, that's been manipulated to make it appear that someone is saying or doing something that they didn't. So, for example, um, manipulating a video to make it appear like a a certain politician or candidate said something outrageous or offensive or something Mm -hmm. like that, um, which could affect an election. And so Microsoft has released this tool only to uh, media and political organizations uh, that... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that looks at uh, very um, detailed information, stuff that not detectable to the human eye, but which are indicators that something has been done to this. So, what do you guys think of this uh, story?
1: I, I, I think it's, it's something that's important because you know I know we've talked about deep fake on Secrets of Tech before. I mean, the ones nowadays, they're not like the little blurry photo, you know, pixelated photos, someone who might sort of maybe look like Joe Biden or Donald Trump saying or doing something. Right. They look as real as if the person themselves did it. And sound is real, too. Yeah. And sound is real. Look and sound is real. And the technology of your basic desktop computer has gotten the point that this can be done at home with the right tools. Any one of us could do this. And so it's a real concern. Um, that that these these things exist because we 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 want to believe the photographic data that's on the internet yep. is real. We want to believe that the videos that we find on the internet, you know, someone posts a video of a riot. We want to believe that there that that actually was at that riot and that actually did happen.
0: We do believe what it, we see. Yeah,
1: yeah. Um, and the the the, yeah. the fact and fact is, we're in a time right now when any you know any trust in any record is suspect
0: you can yeah you can't just believe anything just because you see it yeah
2: yeah and i've actually had a uh, several facebook uh, family members or or a friends of friends type thing posting things that were that had been determined to be a deep fake and when i showed them the article of this is what the original was versus what you just saw Some of them believe it and some of them still believe the fake. Right. And what I would love to see is a way that you could say, here's a video, copy the link and submit it to a website to say, has this been faked? Right. That's what I would like to see more than just the uh, Facebook and Instagram and those types of things. Employ that in in what they're monitoring. Right. It would be nice to be able to say, hey, what about this one?
0: Give us all Mm -hmm. access to a tool to do this. Yeah. Yeah, without having really, to wait for them to do it, and, and not concern. have to have it
2: on your computer, but just to right. have it as right. a as a, a submission of yes or no. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I I do think there's kind of a concern though because you know some of these fact checker sites haven't been showing themselves to be factual in their fact checking. So <laughs> yeah, yes. there is some concern with that. But so, again, this is. Yeah more an issue of who's doing it than the tools that are available for them to do it.
0: Yeah, some of the problems have been, uh, you know, it it matters. It's a question of interpretation of what what is what does it mean by factual or not? Yeah, which is so you have Mm to so you have to be able to rely on your fact checkers. And that's that's a whole nother uh, problem. Uh, Another headline I want to look at is uh, this story that was in uh, the Boston Globe, uh, my local paper, uh, talking about the, a problem a lot of families are encountering right now, and frankly, anybody who needs to buy technology is if you are in the market for an inexpensive Windows, Mac, laptop, or a Chromebook, or a printer, an inkjet printer, you're finding trouble, and or even like a desk. That's another thing that people are having a hard time finding. <laughs> you, there's you're having trouble getting a hold of any of that, um, and so this story by uh, this column by hiawatha Bray in the Globe. Uh, Talks about you know some tips for you know how to get around this problem. Uh, So um, I just wanted to mention some of them, and maybe if we have any others. But uh, he says be prepared to pay more. You might have to buy a more like the more expensive ones, the Windows laptops and Mac, uh, you know, MacBooks. uh, They're they're in stock, but it's just the low end ones that aren't. Um, Don't just go to Best Buy, Walmart, and Staples. Look at other maybe your smaller computer retailers that you might be around. Um, if you're in a hurry, you might be able to find something online, but you're going to pay more. Um, consider buying something used or refurbished. We often talk about the Apple refurb store uh, if you're looking for a Mac um, or fix up the computer you already own. Upgrade it, you know, add, add more memory, a new hard drive, that sort of thing. Um, I had one that I'd suggest is if you're really in dire straits, consider an iPad or even a desktop computer like the article focused on laptops but you know i know a desktop computer can't be moved around it takes up more space but if you if you're in need a desktop mm-hmm. computer can be cheaper and it, it's it, it it they're more available what do you what do you, you guys think uh probably
1: last longer too
0: probably <laughs> than a <laughs> yeah. laptop yeah.
1: um i think it was interesting you know being prepared to pay more when i Built this computer system. You know, of course, it didn't come with a webcam, unlike most laptops do. Yeah. It is a desktop computer that I built from scratch. And I built it kind of in the middle of everybody trying to figure out work from home, school from home. So finding a good webcam was a little more difficult mm-hmm. and ended up, you know, I bought, you know, a Logitech C920C, uh, which is the last generation of their top of the line home webcams. There's the nine nine thirty C, or nine thirty E that you can't get, right? Or at least you couldn't get at that time. You just because they were sold out. Everybody was buying them. They're starting to come back, but yeah, they're starting to come back. Yeah, and so I I probably paid a little more for this webcam than I would have maybe now, right? But it was a new new in stock. I mean, it was a new in box. It was it was still a brand new webcam. It was just an older model, and right. that's something to look at too. Is maybe some of the older models are available? You know, again, you talk about refurbish on Apple. Where you can get some pretty good deals on, you know, a year or two old model that's been refurbished or was just a, you know, buy and return type of thing where nothing really was never really used. And you can can save a bunch of money on a really good computer that lasts you quite a few years. That's right. That's right.
0: How about you, Pat? What do you think is... Yeah, I've been seeing this a
2: lot with my clients because a lot of them have desktops and all of a sudden they're thrown into the world of Zoom and stuff and say, well, they can't see me or hear me. Yeah, because you got a desktop. And so uh, in the very beginning of pandemic, I tried ordering several and they took three months to deliver. Mm -hmm. And then uh, about three, three months into it then it started being okay it was a month to get them and then now it's like you know i can sometimes find one in stock around town most of the time it's like well it's, it's almost never in stock it's mostly we can deliver it to you have it at the store tomorrow type right. thing because i've been helping people find these a lot yeah and uh, i always suggest a logitech or a Microsoft, some of the other brands I just can't speak for. And quite frankly, uh, you don't have as as, uh, compatibility with drivers, that type of thing. Um, You do have to be careful, even online buying, because I bought from what I thought was a reputable company. I got the box. It was dented inside a, a nicely pristine amazon bag but it was dented and it really wasn't a camera it was a speaker a little portable speaker so of course amazon made it good but you know uh it's 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 like there's a lot of people out there that are taking advantage of this Mm -hmm. rush to buy
0: yes yes be careful of who you buy from and what you get make sure you you you're getting someone reputable you know careful about buying off of ebay um the usual precautions there Careful if you buy something from Facebook Marketplace or Craigslist, always open the package, make sure it starts up, you know, the whole nine yards. Don't yeah, be be careful. Better to buy if you can at all, better to buy from someone you know, some someone mm-hmm. who's in a storefront that you can go back to, that sort of thing.
1: Talking about storefronts, um, there's a lot of bigger cities, and I mean bigger isn't you know even ten thousand people or more. You know, we're we're not talking like mega 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 cities. That they will buy in bulk old business machines and refurbish them. Yeah. You know, and their desktops, sometimes laptops, and they're great computers for this kind of thing. You don't need a lot of processing power to do Zoom or Skype. Right. You know, it it really doesn't take that much. So that's that's a good option there, too.
2: And I I wanted to follow up on your comment, Dom, about an iPad. I have a lot of clients that were thrown into this boat of all of a sudden. I've got to talk to my doctor, and he only wants online, and so they would they were desperate for webcams. And I said, you know, do you have an iPhone or do you have an iPad? You can do mm-hmm. Zoom, DoxyMe, Skype, mm-hmm. all of the Google Meet. You can do all of those on those devices, and they're kind of shocked because they hadn't really thought about that as being a possible right tool right and it's not the best tool because it doesn't give you a huge screen but if it's a one on one it's really no worse that's right you yeah know.
0: all right so that i think that's uh some good tips there so uh some in our headlines so that's good uh, let's move on to our picks of the week pat why don't you go ahead and start with your pick of the week okay a lot of my clients are buying laptops or even all-in-ones uh
2: uh like the imax or uh, a dell all-in-one etc cetera. And then they start to go pull in a DVD that they want to transfer pictures off of and say, "Uh -uh, uh-uh, where's my DVD? Mm -hmm. Because the companies aren't building them in. Now, your traditional desktops like Dell will still have a DVD uh, CD reader, but anything that's thin won't so i've been recommending uh getting just a an inexpensive external drive that's a dvd one and and the several that i have actually personally bought were asus and uh lg and an hp and a dell uh basically they're they're good dvd players they will they some of them are blu-ray but you don't really need blu-ray if you're just talking about data uh or cd's or music whatever and they're usually between 49 and $79 for a decent one, and you just plug it into a USB port, and they work real well. Now, for a Mac, a lot of the window the, those standard ones work on a Mac as far as reading data. Now, you used to be able to boot off of, uh, of a, uh, a CD-DVD on some Mac systems, but that's pretty much obsolete anymore. You're getting it off the Internet recovery. So, uh I used to buy super drives just for that reason, and now I'm just saying, well, gosh, as long as it's it's Mac compatible, uh, it doesn't have to be a a Mac device, right? Mm -hmm. Right.
0: Yeah, I have a like a one of those Blu-ray portable Blu-ray things, and I only ever use it when uh, we pick up an old uh, audio (laughs) book. We have to rip yeah. rip, rip the discs uh, to put oh, them sure. on. You know, because you, you can pick those up at yard sales and stuff like that. Again, when we used to do those things, uh, we, you can pick those up pretty cheap. You know, the 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 Blu-ray. Or, I'm sorry, the CDs. And so I would rip them and put them in in the in the uh, audiobook player. But uh, yeah, that's I only use it once in a while. But it's a, it's nice to have. It's a nice to have.
2: That's good. It's nice to have one in a family so you can borrow one <laughs> if you <laughs> right.
1: need it. Right. But How about you? that's where I got it. Yeah. Yeah. I've got an LG one uh portable D V D player good, here, too. Yeah. A yeah. recorder. It's actually the the D V D recorders and you can you can get some that are or most of them now are the burners, you know, basically. Yeah, it's funny yeah, when but, burners yeah. used to be like a luxury. Now they're all the burners. Right. And every once in a while I I ran into I run into something where I was like, oh, I actually have to find my blank CDs or blank DVDs <laughs> where are those at again. <laughs> so Father Gray, what's your pick this week? So with this new house comes all kinds of new gadgets and uh when it's got a detached two-car garage that originally had garage door openers, but one of them had been pulled out whenever, don't know when, and the other one broke like right as we bought the house. So we need a new garage door openers. And the the person, the, the gentleman who has been helping put this house together is like, no, no, we're going to get the good stuff. <laughs> so I now have two LiftMaster Wi-Fi enabled garage door openers. mm which means using using their app, what's called MyQ, My Letter Q, I can remotely open and close the garage door. Nice. I don't have to have the button. I don't have to do any of that kind of stuff. I don't have to go into the garage. I can, as I'm walking out of the house, I can hit the button, and it'll start opening the door. So by the time I get there, I just walk in through the garage door instead of through the side door. Um, it's, it's, I mean, it, it's fun, but it's also got a lot of practical. Of The other night, I realized I forgot to shut the garage door. I was in the garage doing something and forgot to shut the garage door. So I was able to just quickly grab my phone, hit the button. They do have connections to different things like Google Assistance, Amazon Alexa, stuff like that. Uh, but there are limitations due to security. And I think this is something that's happened recently that I hope they'll be able to fix some point soon where you, you tell it to close the garage door. You know, I can say, Google, tell Mike you to close the garage door. It closes the garage door. You tell it to open it. I'm sorry, I can't do that due to security reasons. Right.
0: You don't want, they don't I want people to be able to yell in through an open window and open your doors.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So that, that's a minor limitation. I think, again, that, that's something they're hopefully going to fix. But it's still really nice to be able to look at my garage door. Because I we've all done that. We've all done that. Yeah. You're getting ready to go on a trip. You get the car loaded up. You pull it out of the garage. You drive off. And did we shut the door?
0: Right. <laughs> yes well at least this way like that's the other nice thing this is with a lot of these things you can do it remotely from far away yeah like if well you, yeah because i
1: can yeah i i can do that where i could be sitting i did that the other day i looked and I, was, I did one of those did i shut the door oh yeah it's closed it's been closed for two hours how long i've been gone so
0: right or you're good your, your brother shows up and wants to put something in the garage you know like he's yep. the, you just open it up for him and let him throw the thing in and close and it behind
1: yeah. And that's actually an interesting thing now too is Amazon is starting to offer what they call Amazon Key. Yes. Where in certain places where they've got Amazon delivery, you can give Amazon permission if you trust Amazon well enough that your <laughs> delivery guy can, can hit a button on his app, you know, however he tracks where he's at, and it will pop the garage door open. He can throw the box in there and hit the button and it shuts the door. Nice. Yeah. It's, it's I, that's like better
2: than the front door. Yeah, because yeah. they had that for a while, too, where you could, you know, let them come in the front door. And I'm thinking, uh, uh-uh, maybe a garage door would be safer. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> especially if
1: you've got a like, detached garage like I do, where the, at worst is going to happen. They're going to steal some of your tools or something. Hopefully
0: I had the, had that happen once where the uh it's it, it not Amazon key, but I had an Amazon delivery driver open my front door and toss the package in and close it while we're sitting there. And like, that was weird. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. it was a little disconcerting they're, especially they're since a hurry, I have, don't you know i have a parcel delivery box outside <laughs> put it in that <laughs> but that's a whole nother rant uh thanks that's a good one father Cry. if i had a garage I'd, I'd think about that that would be good i don't yeah actually, garages
1: are nice to have too oh, i wish i had a garage
0: uh so my pick is an article that was shared to us by a listener james who sent this in and it's an interesting article uh it's from Mashable and it says the headline is how to blur your house on Google Street View and why you should or might want to. I don't know if you, if should is for everyone, but there are people who will want perhaps to have their house blurred. Now, as, as you may know, you probably know, Google Street View shows for many streets in America and around the world. Um, They send these cars around and they take pictures uh, as they drive down the street. So you can see what a building looks like when you're looking it up on the Google Maps. Uh, Now, some people may want to have their home uh, obscured. Uh, For example, um, if you are someone who's got uh, like a stalker, (laughs) you know, or uh, people in your life who are in trouble, you may not want to have your house recognizable from the street. There are other reasons and the article goes into them. Uh but it uh, you know some some locations have a law against it for for instance. So this Google does allow you to ask to have your home blurred on Google uh, Google Maps and Google Street View and the article lists the steps you need to take. It's just a few steps to to put in the request to have it blurred uh and then they'll um They'll take care of that for you, uh, hopefully really quickly. So uh, that's my pick, is this article. Uh, It's very useful information. So
2: everybody in Germany has read that article then?
0: Why? Why do you say that? Because
2: your your daughter had looked for a street view on Google, and she was going around (laughs) a lot of places looking, and and she found it in Germany. You could almost go nowhere. Oh, right. Well, actually, (laughs) that's actually
0: the thing in uh, German law, is it it makes it very – in fact, I think you have to give permission for it Google to show it. That's actually the interesting right. thing. Yeah. yeah, that was a
2: funny, mm. funny story though.
0: Yeah, there was a the there was a suburb of Minnesota where it told Google, uh, Google "No, uh, we don't want any street view of our entire town." So uh, this, right. the entire town is off of street view. So, uh, you know, it's interesting. Uh, different, different. I, I could of see,
1: view. I could see for even like businesses or or nonprofit organizations. Let's say you know like a women's shelter or something like that. Exactly. Where, you know, there's real concern that. Yeah, you know, I mean, I know people who are—they've got privacy issues, that I privacy concerns, and I believe me, I agree with them. But I can see where having that privacy, ha, not having it on Google Street View, is something that could be a life or death situation. Right. You I mean, it really there is concerns for privacy for that, and not not just you know the government or somebody who's worried that you know big Big Brother is watching them type of thing.
0: Right. Right. That's. am I'm glad this tool is there for those who want it and need it. That's for sure. All right. I think that should do it. Those are some good picks. Well, let's take a moment to thank our patrons who make it possible for us to create The Secrets of Technology, including David M., Brian S., Russell Y., Timothy D., and John K. Their generous donations at sqpn.com slash give make it possible for us to continue The Secrets of Technology and all the shows at StarQuest. You can join them by visiting sqpn.com slash give. So that's it from us. What did you think of any of our discussion today? You can let us know by commenting on the show at sqpn.com slash technology or the SQPN Facebook page, facebook.com slash StarQuest Media, or send an email to technology at sqpn.com. You can find links from our discussion and picks of the week on our show notes at sqpn.com. Uh, remember to. Uh, this is funny given what we uh, what we talked about earlier. But remember to like every episode of Secrets of Tech on Facebook and retweet uh, our shows on Twitter at SQPN. Feed the algorithm; it is your friend apparently. And uh, make sure to leave us comments. Uh, until next time, Pat Scott. Thank you for joining me and sharing the secrets of technology. Thank you for having me, Father Corey Stika. Thank you as well. Thank you, Tom. And I'd also like to thank T. L. Putnam for joining me earlier for that interview. And once again, I'm Dom Bettinelli. Thank you for listening to The Secrets of Technology on Starquest.